this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our heart longs for, your presence. Let us become more aware of your presence because you are our living hope. In your name, amen. Be seated. Well, today we're going to continue week two of a sermon series that I'm calling Anchor. And as a quick refresher from last week, an anchor is an amazing invention used by fishermen and sailors for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. The basic concept of an anchor is that it's a device normally made of metal that's used to secure a vessel to a bed of a body of water to prevent that craft from drifting due to wind or current. An anchor is simple in its design, but very powerful in its function. An anchor needs to be strong enough to hold against no matter how much tension, no matter how much pressure is being put on it by the boat. And a Bible commentator said this about the strength of an anchor. A sure anchor is one that does not drag. It is not too light for the ship that rides by it. It has found its firm ground. It does not deceive. It, the ship's crew can trust in it. An anchor which is steadfast, or as the original word might be rendered, firm, is one that will not break, but is strong in its own substance, made of good, tough iron so that there is no fear of the shank snapping, whatever strain may be put upon it. We may then say generally that, that this object of Christian hope is free from all weaknesses and imperfections which cleave and cling to other objects. Today, we're going to look at those weaknesses and imperfections which cleave and cling to other objects because the truth of the matter is that there is only one firm and secure anchor in which we can put our hope that one anchor is Jesus and life is filled with with false hopes false security we are met with a constant barrage of promises for health and wealth and well-being from almost every source imaginable. From an early age, we're, we begin to learn that if we can just become strong enough, if we can become smart enough, or if we can save enough money, then, then everything's going to be all right. And for a little while, that's all fine and dandy, until, of course, it's not. See, this affects all of us, so please don't feel like I'm singling anyone out if you think I'm talking to you directly. I'm talking to all of us, myself included. All of us have, at one time or another, put our hope in things that couldn't deliver. This is one lesson we've all had to learn the hard way. So what is that thing in your life that's, that calls for your allegiance and your loyalty? could be strength, 
could be smarts or possibly a savings account. It could be a job title, a position, or maybe even a relationship. See, the good news today is that no matter what that thing is, I can promise you, without a doubt, I can promise you that Jesus is better, stronger, and more firm and secure than whatever that thing that you're trying to hold on to is. And he is always ready. He's always ready for us to return to him, no matter what we've done in the past. Because all of us have misplaced hope. I know how God is, is I love how God is patient with us, no matter how long this process seems to take. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3 says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord's patience has nothing to do with slowness and everything to do with salvation. He is interested in all of us coming home, no matter how displaced, no matter how fractured our hope may be. No matter how far from home we may have wandered, he is ready, willing, able, and waiting for us. It reminds me of the story that many of us know from Luke chapter 15. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death I will set out and go back to my father and say to him father I have sinned against heaven and against you I am no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants so he got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now many of us have heard this story before, and we can clearly see how this younger son misplaces his hope. He chases after earthly things and pleasures and experiences. But eventually all the money, all the energy, it's all gone, and he's left with nothing. For all the hope that he must have had in creating this new life apart from his family, away from his father, it all ended 
when the hope he was holding on to, that money he was holding on to, slipped through his fingers because it wasn't firm and secure. See, through this story, we get an amazing picture of divine love and acceptance. As the son realizes what he's done, he decides to go home. His father, who had apparently been waiting and watching for him, sees him a long way off, and he runs to meet his son. Embracing his wayward son, he welcomes him home. Now, we've, I've preached about this story before, and if you may recall, his father running to him is something a good Jewish father would have never done. It was something that you wouldn't do. He lowered his standard. He lowered himself because he loved his son that much. Father didn't scold his son. He didn't shame his son. He hugged him. He kissed him. And eventually, he threw him a party to celebrate his return. How many of us? How many of us here today, either in person or online, how many of us? or trying everything that this world has to offer, only to find it meaningless and hopeless. How many of us simply need to go home? Go home to our Heavenly Father, to the place where our hope, our faith, and our love has a firm and secure space to thrive. See, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus goes into a lengthy teaching about our motivations, about our anxiety, our fears, and then, of course, the hope that we can have in his kingdom. Let's look at what Jesus says about earthly treasures. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, earthly treasures are easily destroyed or even worse, stolen. Now, many of you know, if you have attended here at any time, that my day job is an attorney. And before I became district attorney, I had my own law firm. I was in private practice, and I had my own law firm. And one morning, we, we, I got to the office, and I realized that my office had been broken into. And as I started making calls to the police to come and try and figure out what was going on and to then to the different courthouses that I was supposed to go to that day, telling them I probably wasn't going to make it that day, and I started to look around to see if anything had been stolen. And they had broken in and stolen some petty cash. I didn't really care too much about that. They had stolen my laptop, which could have been a disaster, but luckily it was password protected and nothing actually was, was stored on that laptop, so that could easily be replaced. But then I noticed something. They had unplugged all the cables and had moved my server out into the middle of the floor. They were getting ready to steal the server. Now, that would have been a disaster. See, that was, it was after that event that I decided maybe I should do some online storage and some backups in different locations. Before then, it had never really crossed my mind. And that server had everything, everything in my office, clients' information, 
all of the records were, was on that server. If they had gotten away with that server, I literally have no idea what I would have done. And when, we, when I think about that, when I think about the, the importance, the hope that I had placed in that server, thinking that it would always be there and that nothing would ever happen to it, it highlights that value that, that we can place in items, in things. Now, that story is unique to me, but, but it's not you, the unique story of this kind of thing that happens to all of us. At one point or another, things get lost. Things get damaged. Things get stolen all of the time. And if we're not careful, we can suffer greatly at their loss if, if our hope is wrapped up in those items. We can so easily be holding on to all of the wrong things. And this is why Jesus offers us so many correctives throughout that same chapter in Matthew chapter 6. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the, the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So many of us, we worry about what to eat, what to wear, about all those things that in the end of the day don't really matter. We're worried about property values. We're worried about sporting events. All of this highlights how our hope is often placed in the wrong places. When was the last time you saw a diehard sports fan whose team had just lost the big game? It's awful, isn't it? I mean, think about the Carolina Hurricanes. Sorry, Liam. But when they get swept by the team that barely makes it to the playoffs, it's, it's terrible to see how, how, much, how much they place, the importance they place in that relationship to a sports team. But Jesus offers us this divine solution to it all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, we need to wrap our arms around the kingdom of God, around Jesus, around his teachings, and yes, around his people. See, this is a divine corrective for misplaced and displaced hope. There are so many weaknesses, so many imperfections which cleave and cling to other objects. Things that are easily destroyed, damaged, or stolen. And as Jesus mentions, every single day that we live has more than enough worry of its own. It's time that we let go. It's time that we let go of all the false security that we so wholly hold on that we so tightly hold on to and instead hold tight to jesus he is our hope he is our firm and secure anchor for our souls and as we wrap up today i want to 
talk about another story about another young man in the Bible, the rich young ruler, which is found in Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this time, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. See, in this story, we see a passionate young man who has a desire to follow Jesus. He claims to have hold, held tightly to the teachings of the law and observed the commandments of God since he was a child. But Jesus, in a perfectly Jesus-y way, identifies another thing in this young man's life that he's even got a tighter grip on. When Jesus shows him that he needs to let go of all of his wealth in order to follow Jesus, the young man becomes very sad, and he walks away. See, this story highlights all that we all struggle with, and it's not necessarily money, although it could be. It's, it's the fact that we grow attached to the things that we place our hope in. We, this young, rich young ruler clearly had a lot of attachment to his wealth, so much so that he was unable, he was unwilling to put it down in order to follow Jesus. Or said another way, he was unable to loosen his grip on money in order that he could tighten his grip on Jesus. And this specific picture leads us to turn our attention back onto our own lives. What are you holding on to today? What do you need to let go of so that you can grab hold of Jesus? What time do you need to spend this week to get your priorities straight? And finally, how can you tighten your grip on the anchor of your soul? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your constant grace and mercy. You give hope and you restore every heart that is broken. Please help us this week to let go of anything that we may be holding on to that isn't you. In Jesus' name, amen.